As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Shortest favourites in this competition at this stage for in recent memory. They're very close to perfection now. This is obviously what they're chasing. They're a club chasing perfection and, and sort of total domination. This game is not going to go the way of, of inter surprising everyone, dominating the ball, dominating chances, and winning the game comfortably. If they are to win, it's probably going to be back to the wall stuff against the run of play, and that is where a keeper can be so important. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and it's time for the Weekend Preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Tim Spears and Bet365 Steve Freeth. Having seen off Arsenal in the title race and Manchester United at Wembley, Man City's shot at the treble comes down to just one game. It's the Champions League final preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. So then, welcome team. It's two legs of the treble down for Manchester City. They are now just one game away from reaching the promised land and everything they've worked so hard towards this season. George, it's a big one. But I don't think it'll be a a walk in the park for Manchester City. I envisage it being a tight game. Finals, especially when there's so much at stake, normally are. You know, it's, it's pretty rare to see teams you know cut loose and really go for the jugular normally when teams go ahead as well um they look to sit on their lead rather than continue to go forward despite City obviously being a side who you know retain possession and press very well that they're also a side who, who play the percentages for the most part and and for that reason I do think you're right and also even though you know Inter finished what was it, 18 points behind Napoli in, in Syria there's no denying that they come into this game in in exceptional form you know they've won I think it's nine of their last 10 in all competitions uh, losing just a solitary game they've won the Coppa Italia and I don't think they'll mind coming into this as underdogs and I think Pep Guardiola given his recent record in this competition given his recent record in you know finals of this competition or, or a final in this competition it's unlikely they're going to take any chances and it's unlikely. I think we all 
it's pretty rare that we say this. I think we all know what the starting lineup for City is going to be going into this game, which makes a massive yeah. change to, to usual for, for Pep Guardiola. So, yeah, I, I doubt we're going to see an end-to-end high-scoring classic. But despite City being heavy favourites to win this, I, I also kind of think it's unlikely we'll see them run riot as well. Yeah, George mentions there, Steve, that City are heavy favourites. Just how heavy are they? Extremely. The shortest favourites in this competition at this stage for in recent memory. They, they are, they are, take a short, they are two to nine. They are to, to lift the trophy. Um, uh, 130 for Inter. They're around four to nine to win it in normal time with Inter at, uh, at 11 to two. Uh, we have had a recent history of, of, of low scoring finals. So if you think City will win are under two and a half goals, that's 11 to four. The market actually says it, it does actually slightly favor over goals. So, Going against the grain there, just gradually. But if you want City to win it in extra time, it's ten to one. City to win it in penalties, it's fourteen to one. And of course, this is a fixture that has never been played before. So uh, let's bring it on. Tim, I envisage it being quite tight. I think, fine. although I say that, I, I envisage that Man City and Real Madrid would also be quite a tight affair. And it wasn't in the end. Manchester City ran away with it. But I do feel like Inter Milan will be a different kind of beast in 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 a final in a one off game. I do just I, I can't see it being a high scoring affair. I can I can see it being a little bit like the game last week, in fact, in the FA Cup final. Yeah, it's um it's unlikely to be a thrashing. I it's, it's those those odds are really interesting, you know, especially for a, a team that's never won the tournament. Uh, you know, and obviously we know how good City are, but for, yeah, for a team who's never won the tournament to be that to have odds that short uh for a one off game is uh is interesting. But yeah, um Inter have shown not against caliber of um, Man City, but they have shown against very good opposition during this tournament that they can keep clean sheets. They're very good at doing that. So yeah, no, it's 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 no given, Dan. I mean, you know, we we haven't seen a big upset in this final for a long time. Last one that springs to mind is probably Chelsea beating Bayern Munich. Maybe that was, that felt like a real shock that year after they beat Barca in the semis. Right when Chelsea beat City, those are the two shocks from an odds point of view. Um, Chelsea were six to four to beat Manchester City. Chelsea were nine to four to beat Bayern Munich. They're 130 to win. That just goes to show the golfing price that we think this will be a huge shock from an odds perspective. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that that Chelsea win was more of a surprise than a shock. I don't know. I'd, it, it felt like, yeah, I'd say them beating Bayern was more of a shock. And then maybe you go back to Liverpool 2005. Um, and, and Porto winning the tournament obviously was a shock, albeit not in the final. But but yeah, they're very close to perfection now. This is obviously what they're chasing. They're a club chasing perfection and, and sort of total domination. Um, unfortunately, when Dan, as you know, when you're up against managers like Nathan Jones, it's hard to achieve that true perfection. We've got to mention him every week. But yeah, in the last two months or three months, they've sort of raised the bar as high as it can go, really. So yeah, it, it would be a massive surprise if they don't win. Yeah, then Tim, they were in full control last week against Manchester United in the, in the FA Cup final. Very, they are very machine-like. We've said that in in this podcast before, but I don't see them as, as being boring. But they do just kind of... This season, it feels like they're a bit more drama-free than perhaps they have been in in, in other, other seasons. You know, they've won a couple of titles by doing it the real hard way on the, on the last day of the season. But this season, it, it feels a bit more militant the way that they're doing things. Yeah, I, yeah boring is the wrong word. Just, just not that exciting. I, I think, for, 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 from a neutral's point of view, it's extremely impressive. It's, it's pretty clinical. I mean, I said last week on the pod, I'm not going to go over all that again. That they just leave me emotionless as a club, really, on, on several fronts. And even some city fans I know say that they preferred the league one days and oh, you, you can't, know the, the you can't, yeah, anyone, anyone preferred that. I mean, I get yeah, that, George, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's come on, yeah. 
I don't know. Well, fa- fandoms, you know, it's a very personal thing, isn't it? And that they they reveled in that sort of un- underdog tag and fighting against the world and fighting against their neighbours and to sort of have it done in this way, not not handed to them, but you know, d- done via an awful lot of money. It's not the way that they would have wanted to get to the top. So I guess it leaves some of them a little bit cold as well. But like I said, fandom is a very personal thing. But I totally, I can totally relate to preferring the old days as opposed to now which is a weird thing to say whether they'll be saying that if they win the Champions League on Saturday is obviously a different matter yeah I'm sure they won't be if they manage to manage to get the much heralded trophy I mean George Pep's a two-time Champions League winner 2009 and 2011 actually hasn't won the tournament for 12 years which feels a very long time for a, a manager of, of, of his calibre and he's admitted in the build at the in previous finals namely that the Chelsea final in 2021 that he got it wrong obviously there's always the overthinking accusations that, that are leveled at him but we've mentioned already that you can probably pick this 11 it's probably the same 11 that played in in the FA Cup final bar, bar the goalkeeper so he, he can simplify it this time yeah he can um, but I do think you know that the fact that Pep Guardiola with the teams that he's managed and the squads that he's taken charge of since his last Champions League hasn't been able to get over the line is is probably the one accusation of weakness that you can point at him. You know, as someone who's sat on this podcast and salanded Carlo Ancelotti in the past, um, you know, it'd be remiss of me to ignore, you know, with the idea being that given the, the squads that Ancelotti has had at his disposal over that period of time, the fact that he's won so many Champions Leagues maybe isn't as impressive as the pure number, but the fact that Guardiola's had the squads that he's had and hasn't managed it given... You know, how highly thought of he is as a manager and a coach as one of the best ever. It's it's hard a to understand. A bit of a climb down on the final podcast of the season. Not a climb George. down. Never, just, ne- just ne- never heard you do that before. It's important to um, to to admit, you know, to to, to give an accurate representation of, of these managers and their achievements. Uh, you know, for, for Guardiola, something that has dogged him, certainly in, in the Barcelona days as well, um, and at Bayern and now at City, is his away record in the Champions League just isn't very good and never has been. Uh, and even this this season, looking at City's record in the Champions League away from home, it's, it's pretty poor. Um, this isn't an away game as such, but it's not at the Etihad. And when you look at City's last six games away from home um, in all competitions, they've only won two of those and those came against Everton and Fulham. So, you know, slightly poor opposition than who they're going to face here. Um, they went to Real Madrid and they went to Bayern Munich and, and got draws in both, which you'd say are, are fairly good results given who they're coming up against. But, you know, that is the accusation that you could level as, as maybe a reason why their Champions, well, his Champions League record isn't as good as you'd, you'd necessarily expect. But um, you know, I fully think that City's, the, the, the gap in quality between these two teams, in my mind, means that if, if Inter are going to win this one, it's going to be against the run of play. It's going to be against the XG count. It's going to be the fact that sometimes, you know, 90 minutes of football is pretty high variance and the best team doesn't always win. Um, but, I, I, you know, as the odds reflect, I'd be amazed if City aren't the better team on the night, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to, to, to getting the win in, in 90 minutes or 120 minutes or after penalty. In 21, I think Tuchel got massively into Pep's head. He beat him three times in the space of a few months. Obviously, he stopped him winning the, well, trying to get the hold of the quadruple with that FA Cup semi-final win. And then they won at the Etihad behind closed doors. They'd already won the league by then. And then, of course, they get to the third game and everyone talks about Pep overthinking things without playing Rodri or Fernandinho. Uh, Speak to people who know or or know of Pep Guardiola. I think it was a case of Tuchel definitely getting into his head and just trying to do those extra special things to try and and get one over him. And and as it happens, it, it didn't happen. So I think Tuchel deserves the utmost credit for doing that back in 21.
Let's talk about a couple of individuals then, Steve. We'll start with Ilkay Gundogan. Could be his final game for Manchester City in the Champions League for a minute beer. A sensational way to go out yeah. as a Manchester City player and, and as captain if it is to be his last game. To sound like a 15-year-old kid here, he is probably one of the most clutch players out there just in the big games. He always seems to go on these runs at the, at the right time of, of scoring big goals. Over the last three seasons, he scored some absolutely huge goals for Manchester City. Seems to be a bit of a debate on on whether he stays or not. I think he wants a two-year contract. Man City will only give him a one-year contract at his age. But if he was to go, bear in mind Bellingham's going to Real Madrid as well, he'd be a massive loss because he's been such a big player for them, particularly in the last three years. Of course, yeah. But but as a 50-year-old kid, Dan, I still just don't know what clutch means. And I've heard it about this. I've heard it about 27 times in the last week. So I am definitely not down with the kids. I believe it's a basketball term. I could be wrong. But is it a basketball term of a player that just turns up in the, in the big moments and sinks sinks buckets yeah. when, when they're really <laughs> into and the team really <laughs> needs it? Well, I, I clearly I'm quite, I'm quite sure my age. And from a... Yeah, it will be a huge loss should he go. But we do favour him to still be a Manchester City player. Um, I suppose he's been talking to clubs now for uh, for quite a while. Um, and I suppose if he's talking to clubs currently, the his contractual negotiations will be going very well with a goal rate a lot better than uh, Erling Haaland towards the end of the season. But it's quite quiet news-wise. I'm thinking there's something in the pipeline. But we do favour him still to be at Manchester City at, at four to six. Barcelona are two to one, so it's kind of been a two horse race for that. We have seen money for Saudi Arabia twenty to mm. one into twelve. Oh, I wouldn't want him to do that. Uh, but Arsenal, Arsenal are twelve to one, the same price, which feels a little bit of a big price without the Arteta connection. And then there's his former club Dortmund, of course. With I know you mentioned Benningham just um, going off, but uh, they're they're twenty to one. So there could be a little bit of value out there if you think he doesn't. Uh, he's not a Manchester City player at the end of the transfer window in the summer. Yeah, I think he's always been quite an underrated footballer, but the fact that he has added those important goals over the last three seasons makes him an absolutely vital ingredient in that Manchester City midfield and probably one of the first names on the team. So you've got to admit, Steve, I didn't know you were 50. I thought you were older, so I was surprised, Very good. surprised <laughs> Very to learn good. that. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah. Tim, let's talk about another individual, not Steve Frey. Let's talk about John Stones. His flexibility is important. So if Pep was to overthink things going into this final, I hate using that term, but you have to use it because it, it is relevant. He just offers that flexibility because the 11 that we expect him to pick, they can quite fluidly go between that three at the back where Stone steps into midfield or the flat, the flat back four with the, with the four very defensive players. Stones is, is a massive cog in, in being able to do that, but... Depending on how the game's going, just that eleven just offers Pep so much flexibility, and as I say, John Stones is huge in that. Yeah, that flexibility will be important, especially against an inter team that play in a slightly different way to yes. a lot of Premier League teams. You know, three five two, very direct. Uh, I've seen them sort of compared to to Brentford in style this week, and Brentford obviously done the double over Man City this season with a direct style to 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 two forwards who can really put themselves about, and that's what. Uh, Man City are going to face on Saturday. So having someone like John Stones and his flexibility should they need to change the game plan is really important. And, you know, his area of the pitch is where Inter are going to look to target, really. They, they like to win the ball back centrally and then and then feed the forwards pretty quickly. That's the sort of mode of attack um, that they're very used to. So, yeah, but I did, not just his flexibility, but his form. You know, him and Gundogan are probably in the, in the best form of their careers, maybe, 
Um, certainly feels that way. I mean, Stones is just so good on the ball that, you know, that clip of him uh, turning a couple of Man United players after taking a pass from the keeper in the cup final last Saturday just sort of epitomises where he's at right now. Um, he's got to be one of the most sort of stylish and cultured players in the English game right now, really. And uh, I know we all think the season finishes on Saturday, but it actually continues next week with a couple of England games. And uh, if Stones um, is hangover free... I'd be curious to see what Southgate does with him. You know, him and Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, playing these different roles for their clubs. Uh, what happens from an England point of view? Does Southgate want to replicate that on the international level when seeing how well they're doing for their clubs? So, yeah, it's food for thought for Southgate. But, um, but yeah, he's um, he's a pleasure to watch right now. George, City have reached at least the semi-final stage now in three of the last season since losing to Leon during the restart from COVID in the quarterfinals in 2020. If they win here, would you envisage that they go on some kind of European dominance? It's, it's about getting the monkey off the back, isn't it? Once they've won the Champions League, that kind of hoodoo is gone. Would you expect them to go on a period of dominance in in this tournament? I think it's really hard to predict that a team will go on a period of dominance in a, in a knockout tournament. <clears throat> As I said before, with regards to the final, there's too much variance. You can lose a game where you've outperformed the opposition over two legs and go out of the competition. It's very hard to do that over the course of a whole season. Um, you know, by no means does uh, you know a whole uh, season necessarily reflect like a completely accurate barometer of quality. But you know. Eventually, if you have bad luck over a period of games, um, your quality will shine through over the whole campaign, which is why we see much more dominance. And which is why, again, you know what Real Madrid have done in recent seasons is is pretty rare. I do think City getting to the last four as consistently as they have done reflects already that there is a level of dominance there um, against the rest of Europe. So I anticipate that will continue. Will a combination of City possibly winning the Champions League on Saturday with the off-field issues, could that, put something of a you know a countdown clock on on Pep Guardiola's reign at Manchester City you know I'm by no means anticipating that he will walk away after this game but once he has finally won the Champions League once he's won the treble does he then start to look forward to firstly a break and then secondly his next project fairly soon and would Guardiola leaving bring an end to this period of dominance possibly so um I think so long as Guardiola's there you know, they're going to continue to be the best team in, in England and one of the best teams, if not the best team in Europe. But how, how long will that continue? Maybe a win here will will, will bring that time where, where he does move on forward. Dan, Dan, what I would say is they'll be 2-1 to favourites uh, next season, uh, Manchester City, to to win that. Um, and me, as a, as a fan, I know you've mentioned my age already, it, it tends to go in cycles. I remember growing up, it was Forest, it was Liverpool, you know, dominating this, this competition. Um, Ajax... And then in the late eighties, nineties, it was it was AC Milan, and of course Real Madrid have, have, have had their total dominance. What seems to be for God knows how many years. But from an English point of view, we've, we've had seven teams in the last six finals, and it feels like the English clubs have wrestled it back from from Spain. And and I know George has mentioned what could happen in the future, but personally, if if, if nothing happens, then this feels like this is the start of Manchester City's domination. I think there was another English team that won it in the early 80s. Do you not game. remember I'm not, that? I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but Liverpool, I'm pr- Liverpool? pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> Liverpool, been, Liverpool and Forest. Liverpool and Forest are the clubs that I remember growing up. Okay. Of course, there was another team in Claret and Blue that, that won a European trophy last night uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. so you know, Claret and Blue teams do have previous in European competitions. One goal in seven now for Haaland, Tim. That run can't continue for much longer, can it? You'd think in the big occasion in the, in the final, he might be on the scene. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's gone pretty quiet last few weeks. It's um, 
it's Gundogan who stepped up, I think, with six in six and playing the big games like they're friendlies, I think Pep was saying about Gundogan the other day, which is a nice quote. So, uh, yeah, Haaland's bottled it um, <laughs> at the most important time of the season. So uh, it's a shame. It's, it's since all that Dixie Dean talk, I remember writing an article about how he was... He was it's you, Spears, it's you. On, on Dixie Dean's record, <laughs> and that's <laughs> put the curse on him. Dix, Dixie Dean's family, absolutely delighted. And, yeah, I, um, for... Um, for nice sort of mathematical reasons, it'd be nice for him to get a goal. He's on fifty-eight and fifty-eight now, so you 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 want him to keep that the goal a game record up, don't you? Fifty-nine and fifty-nine would be nice. If he were to hit sixty, that'd be very pleasing, I'd say as well. So um, I think I think he'll probably get one, but not two. I presume he's the favourite today to open the goal scoring in this game. Well, yeah, even though it's his worst rate for two years, he's one goal in seven. He's had twelve shots on target in that time, but I mean. 56% of his shots this season have been on target. His, his, his conversion rate is extremely high at 31% as well. But he's only 21 to 10, just a bit bigger than 2 to 1 to score first and 4 to 6 to score any time. So, yes, Dan, there's still a load of respect for him. He's, he's 15 to 2 to score a header, 14 to 1 to score outside the box, 4 to 1 for an assist, only 11 to 1 for a hat-trick. And I know there's been three in the Champions League this season, but the last time there was a hat-trick in the Champions League stroke European Cup final, was 1969. Pratty for AC Milan. No, 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 not much knowledge of him. I've got, I've got to be completely <laughs> honest. You're listening to the Weekend Preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Right, time to talk about the opposition now. Let's talk about Inter Milan. There's been big talk about Inter's easy run to the final. They've beat Porto, Benfica and AC Milan. But in fairness, they did have both Bayern Munich and Barcelona in their group. Steve, what would the odds have been of, of them winning this tournament right back at the start of the tournament? Yeah, don't get me wrong, Dan. This will be an amazing result for the bookmakers. Um, 100 to 1, they were. So, complete outsiders. Yeah, so and 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 a big price for the group of stage when you know you've just mentioned who were in their group and they they did take four points off Barca. So I know we talked about that that their easy ish run. To no the, easy games. No, exactly that. And yeah, they've only conceded in one game during the knockout phase, George, and that was the three three draw at home to Benfica in the second leg of the quarterfinal when they were already two nil up from the first leg. They got a very good goalkeeper. Andre Anana's made the most saves, 44 in the Champions League. He's kept eight clean sheets and he's also got the best post-shot XG at a plus 7.5. So when we talk about Edison perhaps having a slightly off-season for Manchester City, in the opponent's goal, we're talking about a goalkeeper who really is on top of his game. And that is essential to getting through in these kind of games. You know, we saw 
Thibaut Courtois be the most important player despite Vinicius and despite Karim Benzema last season without Courtois Real Madrid do not win the Champions League and when you come up against an opposition like Manchester City you know that you're going to concede chances you know that they are going to be able to create goal scoring opportunities and you know that your keeper is going to have to make saves and that kind of goes back to what I said earlier in terms of you know, this game is not going to go the way of, of Inter surprising everyone, dominating the ball, dominating chances and winning the game comfortably. If they are to win, it's probably going to be back to the wall stuff against the run of play. And that is where a keeper can be so important. You know, if, if you're looking for a man, a player of the match uh, bet here and you think City are too short, what price is, is Anana? Because you can be, be fairly confident that if they are to do it, he'll he'll step forward and, uh, and, and have a big game. So it is important. But as I said, you know, if you look back to the group stages, yeah, they had a difficult group, but, you know, Bayern did do the double over them fairly comfortably with two 2-0 two wins. Um, the only game they won was a um, was, was the victory over Barcelona at the San Siro where it was a kind of a weird game where neither team really had many opportunities and Inter won it 1-0. But th- their form recently is the thing that will will not scare but but concern Guardiola. You know, they beat they beat uh, Juventus 1-0, they beat Roma 2-0 in Rome. Um, they beat Milan obviously over the two legs without conceding a goal. The, the only game they lost was was at Champions Napoli so they come into this in, in in decent nick as you say with the goalkeeper who in terms of shot stopping is is as good as they come in Europe this season so um, yeah as I say if, if you're looking going back to that uh, player of the match market um, just looking for a price now Steve might be able to help me yeah, well, what won't happen, George? It doesn't happen with goalkeepers in finals. It that's, does. That's what Courts- Steve taught us last Courtois week. Courtois was man of the match last week. There Tim. you go. Uh, uh, last, last season. Uh, oh, interesting. So it's just the FA Cup, correct? Not keepers. Correct. And also, yeah. idiot on this podcast last week said David De Gea might win Player of the Match. Uh, which did, did, didn't get very well, really. Man of the match will would have to be De Gea, I think, if they're going to win it. Didn't get very well. Exactly in the Euros that. as well, Donnarumma, I don't think he was even listed for the player of the tournament and then won it <laughs> uh, off the back of the, uh, the the final against England. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Courtois made nine saves uh, last uh, last season against against Liverpool. So so he he got man of the match. And I know Tim mentioned, we. I, I said last week, goalkeepers don't win it. That was, of course, just in the FA Cup only. And the goalkeeper, of course, didn't win. Certainly wasn't uh, David De Gea after his performance. But if you look at the recent winners, there'll be a technical observer there. So it's not always the goal scorers. Uh, uh, Kante won it for Chelsea against Manchester City. Coman did score. Virgil van Dijk won it in that Liverpool Spurs game for his leadership and his interventions, would you believe? Um, what a job that is, by the way, technical. What is it? Technical what? Technic- yes, like being a technical advisor, but he'll be there, he'll be technical watching. Yeah, he'll be able to- People wow. like... I think David Moyes has been one for UEFA in the past. I think Rafa Benitez has been one uh, in the past. So it's a, 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 a good, good job to get. No, no, great gig. No, it is, get yeah. to choose the man of the match in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, think, I think that's the process. And ordinarily, if, if Haaland had still been scoring a bucket load of goals, then he would be a lot shorter than the 4-1 to favourite that he currently is. But of course, he, he demands the utmost respect in these markets. And it's him and KDB are both the 4-1 to joint favourites with Gundogan at 7 Jack Grealish at nine, uh, Matara Martinez is is uh, is at ten, Mikatari in the same price as Phil Foden at, at fourteen. But uh, Andre Anana, George, just for your reference, is is uh, actually twenty to one, the same price as uh, Edin Dzeko. And George, I know you're going to pipe up now here with John Stones. Yeah, <laughs> well, to be honest, I was going. I yeah. was going to. We're all waiting for John Stones, and I still haven't mentioned his price. It's bigger than twenty to one. 
it's 25 to 1. And he was very mm. close to winning it last week, wasn't he, in the FA Cup final? Well, he, was, he, was a, he was a scuffed shot away from winning it, wasn't he? he was, yes. And I think the, the technical advisor or whoever will be doing it on, <laughs> uh, on Saturday night will probably be, be waxing lyrical about Mr. Stones. So, like I said last week, I need to cut that 25s. You're a technical advisor. Someone like Stones or, or Rodri would probably be. Exactly. Rodri is absolutely vital to, to what Manchester City did. Even not, for example, I mean, probably not in this game because he's not up against one-on-one against a really dynamic winger. But, you know, Kyle Walker and his recovery pace and the, and the way he defends. You've got me thinking with this technical advisor stuff. I did, I've got to admit, I didn't didn't know that. There was someone's specific job to come in. and. I think there's an official from your way I, I assumed it was yeah. just a sponsor, to be honest. No, well, well, listen, I could be wrong. So so don't. it's not 100% guaranteed. But just from memory, there would be a technical advisor there that would, from your wafer, that would, that would give the award. You would know because they're the kind of areas you sit in, so I would expect that you would know. You probably not only a few seats away from the technical advisor with where you sit at, at cup final, so you should know. Pass me the prawns, Rafa. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've already spoken about Pep and his record in the Champions League, and a little bit about his record in knockout competition in general. But Tim Milan into Milan, sorry, a, a real cup team. You know they've won back to back Coppa Italias. The majority of their squad reached the 2020 Europa League final. They obviously lost to Sevilla, but they still got to the final. You know they've already won two trophies this season. So in knockout tournaments, Man City have been knocked out by Nathan Jones and Southampton. So, so, so they're rubbish. Into Milan, they know what they're doing in the knockouts. They're pretty good in the league as well, to be honest. I mean, they've finished second, first, second and third in the past four seasons. So I think that's an underrated league idea, Serie A. I think it's a good league. It is underrated. Yeah. And I guess those odds of 100 to 1 before the tournament started sort of reflect, you know, where they are in, in people's minds in the pecking order these days. But then again, you look at their team down, it doesn't look like a Champions League winning team, does it? No. You know, you've got, you've got Premier League rejects in there. You've got Edin Jacko, age 37. I'd imagine if you don't follow Italian football, you, you probably would have assumed Jacko had, had retired a couple of years ago. But there he is, probably starting up front on Saturday. Mkhitaryan, 34. You know, Lukaku was a flop in the Premier League last season. They're not, you know, they're not Napoli. They're not a sort of resurgent, exciting young team with someone like Victor Ossiman. They've not got a manager everybody is saying is sort of heading for the top of European football. But that's not how football works. You know, it doesn't mean they can't win the Champions League. That's, that's the beauty of, um, of knockout football. And you have to respect their run to the final. I guess we haven't seen how, how good they are yet in terms of, like I said earlier, in terms of the teams they've beaten. If you remember the way that the quarterfinal draw was split up, it was Man City, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, all three favourites on one side and into a given, you know, the good half with Benfica, with AC Milan and uh, with Napoli. So there are no massive scalps in what, what they've done this season. So to predict they'd win this game is is a pretty tough, pretty tough one. I'd give them, you know, a 20% chance. But in their corner is is this cup record, as you say, Dan. It's a, it's a good defence. They've kept five clean sheets in six uh, knockout stage matches in this tournament. They've got players who've proven they can win big matches. And yeah, like, again, like I said earlier, they play a, they play a system which City have found uh, uncomfortable um, against Brentford this season. So, um, so they'll, they'll be they'll be hard to beat, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned some of the players. I just think they play in a really interesting way. It's, it is quite direct, but you know, two up front, the wing backs Dumfries and Demarco, they'll get forward and provide a, a lot of width. It is it's a different type of opposition to what Manchester City are used to. And I know Milan are a completely different different team to play, but they blew them away at the start of that first leg in the, in the semi-finals with, with their football. And, and Martinez, Latoro Martinez, he's the kind of player that could could actually play. 
for Manchester City as well. So they've got some really interesting players. It's yeah. a really interesting mix, isn't it? They have, and yes, they did. They did. They did blow AC Milan away in the semis. I mean, obviously, this will be a very, very different game, and you'd expect them to have a, a back foot defensive approach with not a lot of possession. But they've got they've got the three big lads at the back: Bastoni, Serbi, and, and Darmian, who can head balls away for fun. And uh, we know City like to get the ball wide and, and 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 crosses either high or low. You know, that's what Inter do very well defensively. They're very good at clearing crosses. So, if they can keep it tight and compact, which you know they've they've done pretty consistently over the course of the season and then attack directly through that front two maybe Lukaku if he's fit fit enough um as you say Martinez a player who could grace Man City's team so they they've got the tools to they've got the tools to beat City but I, but as George said earlier you'd expect City to give them a much better performance in this game and they're obviously massive favorites but I would say every five times this fixture happens you know Inter would probably win it once so that could be that could be on Saturday right then Let's finish this part with the trivia then. Last trivia of the season. It's, it's a big one. We're on a great run. We've really come together as a team in the, in, the, in the last few weeks. Let's try and finish on a high. Steve Freeth, you're not even concentrating. I can see you on the screen. You're not even I'm concentrating. You're the, one, you're the one that never knows, understands the question. You've got to concentrate. Right then. If Pep Guardiola wins the Champions League this weekend, he'll become only the fifth manager to win the competition with multiple clubs since its rebrand in 1993. Who are the other four? Ancelotti. Can we say Ancelotti's that? got to be one, hasn't it? Name on the trophy. Uh, Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah. Name on the trophy. Tough question, that. Yeah, Tuchel didn't because he lost with PSG, didn't he? Um, yeah. Oh, just thinking out loud here, obviously. Yeah, but, I've got one, but I'm so, not sure on it. So, like someone like Capello or Lippi, won it with maybe a couple of Italian clubs. Who won it with um, Juventus in the nineties? Trapattoni. I'm yeah. not convinced there's a multiple in there, but you know when Madrid won it and Zidane scored that that volley. Who was the man? Who was the manager then? Against Dortmund, what is it? I a t-shirt with that. I, remember, I think was it Leverkusen? It was against Leverkusen. How was it? Like 2000. What are, show, what are you showing us there, George? Got a t-shirt with Zidane's Zidane volley on my t-shirt. Oh, very topical with the testament nice. to the, the uh, podcast. Thank you. <laughs> who was the manager then? Um, oh, was it Del Bosco? No, Del Bosco ever managed. Madrid? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Derek Bosco. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a tough one. We've breezed through the first two. Should be easy, shouldn't it? No, I reckon the, I think that's, that's a tough one, that is. I think Tim might have been close with an Italian. I was going to say he's the former England manager, but... Or Capella. Mm. He might have won one in the early 90s, but I don't remember b- b- being two. But I was very young, obviously, in the... In the early Obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, me too. Oh, <laughs> Steve, this questions, this questions for you, Steve. Come on, no, I'm, yeah. European football. I mean, we should probably have some guesses. Yeah, we're just. Oh, no, we, I mean, we've got so many right in a row. We don't want to. Yeah, go with one of your Italians, Tim. Who with the two? Trapattoni or Capello or Lippi or Saki. I mean, I think they've all won <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm I think sure. they've all won it, <laughs> yeah. but. But I don't think they've won it with with different clubs. It's a tough one, that. It's got to be someone who's managed... I'd say it's got to be someone who's probably managed... Oh, what, um, what's that Bayern manager called? Heike? He- no, I can't say his name. Who else did he win it with? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Hinks. 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 You're on about. H-E-Y-N-K, yes. Yeah. Did he win it twice? We are going to have to have a guess. Go on, Tim. Okay. Lippy. We've lost now. We've blown it. We've thought about it for a long time, and it's, it's going to be one of those Italians, isn't it? 
Uh, I'd, I'd lean, I think I'd lean more towards the, the German. Go with it. I can't say his name, guy. Yep. Jupp Heinkis. Name on the trophy. Well done. Damn. I know, but I wish we got it before we went with one of the Italians. You did well there, mate. I can't say his name still, but at least it was right. Um, we've just had a hint through that the last answer is another German manager. Um, it's failed. Name on the trophy. Still well a good, I'll, I'll take that. It's still a good effort oh, from us. It's a, it's a tough, a tough question. We obviously breezed through the, the first two. Were quite obvious. So the final answers, then final trivia of the season: Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho, Omar Hitzfeld. And Jupp Heinkis. Is that how you say his name? I'm still not sure. Thanks. This is the weekend preview <laughs> on the Athletic Football Podcast. Oh no. What a way to go behind in the Champions League final. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Special of moments, one that every hammer will cherish forever. European glory is theirs. West Ham are the 2023 Europa Conference League winners. Saturday's final wasn't the only European final to happen this week. On Wednesday night, West Ham saw a Fiorentina in the Europa Conference League final. Was it Declan Rice's final game for the Hammers, George? I've got to be honest, I haven't heard any interview with, with him back. I don't know, don't know if he said anything or turned off after the trophy lift. Yeah, it probably is, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the rumours about Arsenal continue to swell. There's been some talk as well that Bayern Munich might be interested. Um, it feels like now is the time. You know, he's won uh, the first trophy that West Ham have won in 40 years with the club. You know, he's achieved something there that you know, Harry Kane hasn't been able to achieve so far at Tottenham. Um, for all parties it's now, I low, think. It's a low blow for Spurs. No, They've had enough this season. But I think that is the reason why, I think if Harry Kane, you know, say they'd won the Champions League, what was it, four seasons ago in that final against Liverpool, I think Harry Kane probably wouldn't be a, a Spurs pair anymore. I think he has tried incredibly hard in order to, to crown his time at the club with a trophy, but hasn't been able to do it. I, th- I think for Rice now, that is off his back. He can he can kind of go on with with the best wishes of West Ham fans, which would absolutely happen. I don't think we're going to see any accusations of of greed or anything else from from the West Ham fans if he does go. But I think that was a reminder yesterday 
I know the first was the penalty, but in, in Ben Rama and Bowen, West Ham have two very talented players. You know, come, came through the bit of good, good bit of EFL recruitment from them there, um, and for the money that they should get for Rice, if they're able to invest that wisely, that you know, there's no reason why Rice's departure should spell trouble for them. But yeah, I'd be amazed if we see Declan Rice lining up for West Ham um, at the beginning of next season. Steve, where did Bet three six five see him playing his trade next season? Plying his trade, even. Yeah, there was money last night. Dan for him to stay at West Ham. I think he did an interview after the game saying, I've still got two years left of my contract. I love this club. I love the fans, that sort of thing. And But so we, it was, we shortened it from 12 into nine to two, in all honesty. Dan, I think that once the adrenaline stops pumping and it all dies down a little bit, I do think we won't, he'll be moving on from West Ham. Although we had to react to the money last night because there was quite a bit of it around. Arsenal have been well supported. They're, they're four to nine for uh, for Declan Rice to be at Arsenal and, and nine to two West Ham. Manchester United have been nibbled at six to one. Bayern Munich also at six, and it's like twenty to one bar. So definitely feels like uh, Declan Rice will be an Arsenal player. Tim, is that the right move for him? I don't mean this disrespectfully to Arsenal because they've had a wonderful season, done done really well, and there's visible improvement year in year under Arteta. But we st- we don't yet know whether Arsenal being at the, the upper reaches of the, of the Premier League, challenging for the title, we don't know whether that's going to be a season on season thing feels to me on Declan Rice's part a little bit of, of a risk to, to go to Arsenal he automatically makes them better do you know what do you, do you know what I mean it's not it's not guaranteed trophies which is what he's looking for it's is he is he looking for guaranteed trophies I'm, I think he, well fine. he's looking for trophies looking for silverware he cited that as a reason he want you know he wants to play in the Champions League he wants to be winning the big honours that's what he said in the previous interview yeah, you want a challenge. Guaranteed trophies feels feels a bit boring. Yeah, to it's me, probably the wrong, know. probably the wrong. Do you know term. what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, but play, players do move for that, and people, yeah, I, he clearly loves West Ham, and West Ham have got a good chance of finishing the top ten next season and progressing even further. But yeah, it's the right time for him to go. He gives he would give Arsenal a better chance of of, of becoming sustained. I think he'd be a, as you know a step up on Granit Xhaka and the idea of a midfield trio with him, Jorginho slash Party. An Odegaard is is a bit dreamy, really, and yeah, he, I think he'd thrive in that team. I think Arteta would improve him. Arteta's got a proven track record of of taking players at a good level and raising them even higher. You know, players like Saka, players like Odegaard, players like Martinelli, uh, Saliba massively come on this season. So Arteta, whatever he does, clearly works for players in that bracket. So yeah, it's an intrigue. It'd be an intriguing move. I'm not sure where else he'd go at this point, Dan. Should uh, Man City no, not be looking at him? Is there any room room for him at Man City? Gundogan must have really. depart. Potentially, potentially, but obviously we we don't. As, as Steve said earlier, that one's gone a bit quiet, which is, which may mean that he's he's sorted out a contract that will be announced pretty soon. You never know. So, um, yeah, I think it would work. Although uh, David Moyes to Strictly seems like the better the, the better fit at the moment after uh, his, his his dad dancing last night. Yeah, some dancer, David Moyes, if you haven't seen that footage of him in the changing rooms last, last night. Nobody joining in with him, but he's having a nice time and that's that's the main thing. Tottenham finally appointed a manager this week with Ange Postacoglu taking over after 72 days of trying to find someone to replace Conte. George, what are your thoughts on that appointment? I feel this is one you'll like. Yeah, I said last week um, that you know I wasn't sure that a lot of Spurs fans deserved Postacoglu given the way that um, the rumours around his uh, appointment were being treated online <clears throat> it feels like there's been quite an obvious journey here where a lot of Spurs fans snobbish Spurs fans uh, then did a bit of research into Postacoglu read a bit about him and now are quite excited about it. it it's it's hard to give the club that much credit when you look at the way that the recruitment process has, has gone on 
but I think they probably stumbled their way into the perfect appointment. You know, someone who yeah. I think the fact that Spurs have ag- aggressively gone after managers with an ego has been a massive detriment to the club. I think there's a big power imbalance when that happens there. And in Postacoglu, you've got somebody who I think is fully aware of, of his remit within the, the club. You know, he is the first team coach. That is his responsibility. But he comes without that ego of, of believing that they're one of the best, you know, maybe ab- above the club itself. The, the football will be great to watch. You know, whether or not it's an appointment that can persuade Harry Kane to stay, it seems maybe unlikely. Um, but I do think they've got themselves a bit of a gem and somebody who, you know, if if, if this is to be the start of a, a caneless era, then they've got someone who can instill a bit of belief and a bit of identity to the club, which which might be lacking otherwise. Steve, two questions for you. What are the odds looking like for Spurs' finishing position next season and what's the latest with Harry Kane? Yeah, they're 40-1 to one to win the league down there, 3-1 to one to finish in the top four. They're 130 to finish above Arsenal. They're 9-2 to two to win a trophy under Postlick, well, next season. And as regards to Harry Kane, a lot of money over the last 24 hours for him to be a Real Madrid player. So he's odds on to be a Real Madrid player with with, with Tottenham at 11-8. to eight. The Man United money's gone very quiet indeed, so... It's pointing towards Real Madrid. I'm still not totally convinced that that will happen. Interesting times for Spurs. No, it's, the, it's the record, isn't it? I think on the face of it, going to Madrid would be massive for him. And obviously there, he's got a huge chance of of winning multiple trophies. And he, he's a good fit with Ben Zemelevin, but it's just that record, isn't it? If it wasn't for that record, let's say he'd already broken the record, it'd almost be a certainty to go to Real Madrid, wouldn't it? He would, but I suppose Levy will be happy to sell him to a non Premier League club as well. That'll suit. It's just what I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't talk about his family really. I mean, we would just think about these plays being machines and going on the pitch. Does he suit? He's, he's with a fourth child allegedly on the way. It's a lot of upheaval. Um, but I mean, there's no allegedly about it, Steve. I would, would just say. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, true. A confirmed. A confirmed <laughs> Thanks. No, no, well, I haven't. I, I don't know the people, so I'm not involved. Just what I've read. So uh, yeah, and as someone with four kids as well, he's, he's doing well to catch me up. Yeah. I can see you. I can see you sunning yourself in Madrid in your twilight years, Steve. What about Celtic then? What's next for them, manager-wise? Moyes, is Moyes up there as one of the favourites? Could he leave West Ham on a high and maybe go to Celtic, his boyhood team? He's, he was, he was, it's been a, another one of these crazy markets. There's so much volatility involved. Is that such a word? I don't know. Well, it's been up and down anyway. Uh, Brenda Rogers is the current favourite at, at six to five with former baggy Enzo Maresca, who's who's the, one of the assistants to, to Pep Guardiola now, of course, at five to two. Des Buckingham was 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 photoed at Glasgow Airport the other day, so people have been asking about him. He's currently nine to one, but I'm pretty sure that'll be drifting quite soon. Uh, Nutson Knutson, he, he, he's one that gets involved in a few markets. He's at, in every market. He's in every. He's the new Alan Kirbishley. He's taken over from Posta Coglu. Now he's got a job. Kieran McKenna at 14. There's also one that Timothy Spears might be interested in at 16 to 1, being backed in from 50s. A certain Kevin Muscat. Now, we, yeah, I mean, and this, of course, is the last show for the season. And between ourselves, we'll be waiting to get on the call. Tim Spears is, is always the last to to join us. And we often, well, I often say that. It, uh, I often say that. Uh, last the last couple of weeks. I, I, I often say that he's later than a Kevin Muscat challenge, um, which you can um, imagine thinking back to his career on, on the pitch was was pretty late. But but like Kevin Muscat, it's very deliberate. It's just a stylish you yeah. know, late entrance. His was less stylish and more uh, aggressive, but it's all, it's all very deliberate. And also, like him, you're a great man off the field. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, how much time have you, uh, how much time have uh, you two I, I, been spending together off the field? Is, I was going to say, this is very nice. Is this where we all sort of compliment each other? Oh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think I want to say something nice pick. about each yeah. other before they go. <laughs> no, that is, as Dave mentions, that is the last show of the season. So thanks very much to everyone that's listened to us throughout the season and everyone that's listened this week as well. The Athletic Football Podcast will be back on Monday with all the reaction you need from the Champions League final. Until then, enjoy your weekend and thanks very much for listening. Jerry! Serves you right for muscat, huh? Serves you right for muscat, huh? The Athletic.